We're in the fourth week of our current series for the new year. We're taking a look at how we absolutely need other people to grow and become the very best version of ourselves we can be. New Year's resolutions are great for sure, but one of the best resolutions you and I can ever make is to increasingly surround ourselves with the right people. And here's why. If you more and more surround yourself with the right people, you'll find yourself making better decisions, choosing better choices, and finding better outcomes. At the end of the day, your growth in your family, in your marriage, at work, or at school, as well as in your faith life, are all based on surrounding yourself with the right people. From scientific studies and from God's Word, we know the happiest, the most satisfied, and the most successful people learn to connect with others and engage with people in ways that build healthy relationships. A healthy relationship is one in which you can both give and receive grace and truth. And here's an important note to note. We don't just need one or two such relationships. We need a team of people, a network of people who can help us become who God has created us to be and who we really want to be ourselves. Just as your body needs various nutrients from different kinds of food, you and I need different kinds of relationships. We develop and invest in relationships in which we both give and receive grace and truth. So through the course of this series, we've been describing how to identify, find, and sustain those relationships. Our hope for you and our belief is that many of the relationships you need are available to you right here in our parish. That's why we're encouraging everyone in the parish to get into a small group this Lent just for Lent. A small group is a group of six to 12 people who get together for faith-based conversations. We like to say we pray in groups, but they're not prayer groups. We support one another in groups, but they're not support groups. We read scripture in groups, but they're not Bible studies. We believe groups are an essential practice for growing in your faith and helping you to live a more successful life. Whatever your affinity, we have a group for you. We have men's groups, women's groups, mom's groups. We have couples groups. We have mixed adult groups and young adult groups and so many others meeting all over the community every day of the week, every time of day. Our new groups will begin meeting the week of February 10th and 11th. They'll meet for an agreed upon length of time, usually 75 to 90 minutes. And the format is simple as can be. Groups open and close in brief prayer. We provide a 10-minute video to introduce the topic to be discussed, which usually reflects the weekend message from Big Church. Then the leader walks the group through the discussion questions we provide, usually centered on application of scripture and faith to real life. One more thing about groups, you participate at the level of your own comfort. 
Over the last four weeks, we've looked at some of the benefits of small groups and how they can bring the relational nutrients your soul needs. Essentially, there are four. Two weeks ago, we looked at the first of four. We need people who can provide wisdom and insight. Wisdom and insight we don't have. We all come into life not knowing how to succeed at the various seasons and stages of life we find ourselves in. But we can compensate for our lack of knowledge and set ourselves up for success through the wisdom and insight of others. Small groups can be exactly the place to find that wisdom and insight. Last week, we talked about groups as a place where you can find friends in faith. Friends in faith. We have a fundamental need to be understood. We have a, a need for people who know our strengths and understand our struggles. Of course, you're not going to make a close connection with everybody in your group right away, but your group can be a pathway to such relationships. Today, we're going to take a look briefly at a third major need that we have and how groups can help. To do it, we're going to look at the story from the Gospel of Mark that Father Nicholas just read for us. The passage picks up where we left off last week. Last week, Jesus called his first disciples, three of whom became his closest followers and his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. Then Mark writes this, they came to Capernaum on the Sabbath. Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. So Jesus had called the disciples by the sea because they were fishermen. They leave the shore and go to the nearby town of Capernaum. It's a Sabbath day, so they go to synagogue and Jesus begins teaching. In a synagogue service, hymns would be sung, prayers would be prayed, and scripture would be read. Then anyone conversant in scripture could stand and offer a teaching. Mark doesn't tell us exactly what Jesus taught. He only tells us the effect it had on people. Jesus' teaching astonishes them because he taught as one having authority. Authority and authenticity go together. They're linked. They share a common etymology. Jesus' teaching had authority because it flowed from his relationship with his Father. And Jesus' teaching had authenticity also because, precisely because, it flowed from his relationship with his Father. And this is what the crowds found so compelling. Take a look at what happens next. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Well, as Jesus is teaching, there's an outburst from a man with an unclean spirit. You might not believe in evil spirits or feel pretty skeptical about their existence, which is perfectly fine. I believe they exist because, well, it just makes sense to me 
that there are personalities behind so much evil in the world. Also, Jesus believed in them. And if a man can predict his own death and resurrection, I don't know. I just go with him. <laughs> Even if you don't believe in evil spirits, you can agree, we can all agree, that there are negative emotions that hold people down and trip people up. So if you prefer to think of the evil spirit in that way, that works too for today's discussion. Anyway, as Jesus teaches and preaches God's word with authority, this spirit becomes agitated and upset. Jesus' teaching has an ability to expose things in our lives that are weighing us down by calling them out. When we listen to the Lord, we can actually become more aware of the discouragement, the despair, the doubt, the hopelessness, the fear, the worry, the anxiety, the anger, the bitterness, the selfishness that is settled into our hearts. We can become more aware of where we've left the door open to negative spirits or emotions. Now, many of those negative things come into our lives precisely because we let them into our lives. We let them into our hearts. Then, sometimes, we not only let them in, but we tell them to settle in and make themselves comfortable, stay a while, rent free. Now, I know that nobody here has ever done that, but so many people, so many people struggle with negative emotions. And if by chance that's you, here's what you need to know. Jesus brings those negative spirits and emotions to light, not to condemn or con convict us, but to free us. He draws them out so that he can drive them out. And that's what happens in this synagogue story. Jesus rebuked the spirit and said, quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out. Two commands there. He draws the spirit out to drive it out. And the spirit obeys under Jesus' authority. And all were amazed and asked one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commends even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. By driving out the negative, Jesus demonstrates his authority. He has authority to defeat what is negative and bring out what is good, what is of God. Jesus wants to do that for us too. He wants to draw out and drive out the negative spirits and emotions in your heart and replace them with the good things God has to offer. So he drives out doubt and replaces it with confidence and faith. He draws out despair and replaces it with hope. He draws out unforgiveness and replaces it with knowledge of his mercy. He drives out bitterness and replaces it with gratitude. The question, of course, is how? How does he do that? Well, any way he likes, because he's God. Of course, he certainly does it one-on-one. -on -one. There are times when God will bring healing and wholeness to your heart or help you deal with a negative emotion in a positive way. That's why you should have a daily quiet time every day. But most often, God works through other people, people 
are God's plan A for bringing growth and goodness into our lives and dispelling negativity. Elsewhere, the Bible says this, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The negative is driven out of our lives and the blessing of God comes in as we live in authentic community with other Christ followers. Our faith-based conversations eventually lead to conversion. Small groups are intended to be a place where you'll find that confidence, hope, mercy, encouragement, gratitude you need based on the authority of God's word that you share with one another. Conversations that lead to conversion. Conversations that lead to conversion. So, today is the day, and not just for an historic Ravens victory, You can stop clapping. <laughs> Today's also the day for small groups. You do that by texting the word group to 88877. That's group to 88877. It's simple as can be. By signing up for a group, you're making a simple six-week six commitment to try it out for Lent. Forget about giving up chocolate or wine this Lent and make joining a group your Lenten practice. In signing up for a group, you'll get a free copy of our book, Rebuild Faith, which will form the focus for the season and the series. Tom and I will both be available in the cafe after mass for book signing. Who could resist that? <laughs> We're really excited about our new book and supercharged at the possibility, just think about it, the possibility of the whole parish reading this book and working through this book together this Lent. It could be transformational for the life of the Paris, sharing stories of faith rebuilt, stories of faith rebuilt like these stories. Our first story comes from a leader. The Holy Spirit motivated me to step up and lead a group in week one of this series. And then he hooked me through Father White's message in week two with the Old Testament reading. I was on the fence about what direction I would take until Father White read from 1 Samuel chapter three. This verse has God calling Samuel three times. Yeah, my name is also Samuel. And we were both called to answer the Lord. It took him a few times to wake us up, but there was no way I could say no. It's important for us to realize that doing small things like leading a group can result in big impact. I am called to do more in my walk with God. This next story comes from a new church member. Wayne says, after COVID hit, I drifted away from the church. A friend of mine told me about Nativity, so I tried it out. Within two weeks, I was asked to volunteer, which I was happy to do. And I joined the greeter team. What an amazing group of people. I love going to mass, and I equally love all of my new friends. 
I especially enjoy greeting at the Vision Cafe door. I now have my regulars, whom I see every week. I feel like I am home. I'm spiritually motivated every week, so it makes sense that my next step is to join a small group. I'm not currently in a group, however, I am looking to join one and discuss how prayer changes lives. I firmly believe in the power of prayer. I am called to do this. I am confident that it will help me connect on a deeper level with my nativity family. Plus, Father White said it would be my Lenten penance. And finally, Bibi says, coming to nativity was like coming home. I had been wandering, longing, and searching for a church home that is void of judgment and abounding in acceptance. Nativity for me is a sanctuary of divine presence. The spirit of the Father is present in every corner of the church. I came to nativity through my brother, and I have never regretted the decision to join. I encounter God every Sunday when I am here in so many different ways. The atmosphere is electric and the worship music elevates me to a higher ground where I feel joy, peace, comfort, and the courage to face tomorrow. I also get more of that same type of encouragement in my small group. I love being in a small group because the sense of community it creates and the reassurance that you can lean on others in faith. The Lord wants to take your faith to the next level. And it turns out there are people all around you who can help. Hey everyone, thanks for watching with us today. Hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss a single thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We are so grateful you're part of our community.